Hey y'all, it's Baldo here, and I want to help you unlock your next level potential with a discounted ticket to this year's Howdy Health Fest happening in December. Use code HDYHPOD25 and enjoy a weekend filled with world-class biohacking products, top health experts, movement, connection, and recovery, and maybe even some ice baths and some nice sauna time. Remember, this year's festival is December 2nd through 4th. It's going to be an exciting time. We are committed, committed to you to bring you the best experience that your health can achieve. All right, guys, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. Today's in a, a little, we haven't done one of these episodes in a while, the, the ones that we title The State of Health. It's uh, June, almost July, 2022. I'm about to turn 40, but my partner here and his wife already turned 40. So I'm just a little behind the times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... Uh, no, the state of health is really just about like what is going on in the world right now, what is going on in our lives and, and the health lives and and what we see coming in the future and what we what we're excited about, what kind of changes that we're looking forward to, what kind of changes that we're looking to create. Some of it has to do with what we want to create, what what the community is trying to or is asking of the world to create and for us to bring it to fruition in a sense. But we got Nurse Doza, we're going to talk some vitamins, we're going to talk some biochemistry probably. We're going to talk about research and everything that... So by the way, I'm I'm reading Dr. Lipton's book right now. Yeah. I love the, the way that he Which explains one? science. The, the biology of belief. Yeah. That's the one that made him, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's still just m- comparing... The cell, like the cytoplasm and the, uh, like just of all cells to just the way that we create anything, like even just computers as well. But, but, uh, but that's where I'm at right now. And I'm really excited about that book. There's probably talk about the mitochondria, which is kind of like a, a memory slash DNA at all in one, you know, which is with the brain, the brain has a, is a way to look at storage and processing right uh creation starts cellularly yeah well he's where i'm at right now in the book and and we can expand on this because i think it it plays into a lot of what we have been doing and what we're trying to do even in a deeper level is is that uh you know for a long time like when dna was discovered it's like oh that's that's like the code for everything that's that's what controls your fate in a sense right because it has like all your coding but but really it's the environment right like if anything that books there's so many there's so many paragraphs that end with him quoting someone else but saying it's the environment stupid as opposed to like it's not your genes or it's not this or it's not that it's the environment right and so and and he talks about the the membrane of the cell being really what 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 controls most of it because with the sen- because there's receptors and then there's effectors mm-hmm. is the way that he re- explains that and and that the receptors receive information from the environment which then create proteins to affect a way that something's going to present itself and dna does play a part of it you know like if there's there's just a higher chance of something being true for you or not but it doesn't have to be yeah uh, lipton has been a favorite amongst chiropractic for a long time he was, talk- was he a chiropractor? No, no uh, I think he's a PhD. But he uh, he he spoke, I think, at my school, and he spoke at a lot of uh, other chiropractic schools. And what was great about it was it translated into the nervous system, mm-hmm. which is why I think the connection was there to chiropractic because chiropractics, you know, we're taught the nervous system uh, four or five times over. You would normally get as far as education wise from like a medical school you know, curriculum. And what he talks about afferent, efferent is how the system works. You know, there's an action and a reaction. That's chemistry, right? So with the nervous system, from a simplicity standpoint, you have to almost await for the stress to come. Yep. Right? So it's it's inevitable. It's a necessity, right? It defines you. 
when in in part of like whenever we talk about the like the success whatever and when i keep asking that question like do you have to wait for something really bad for you to happen and it's like the waiting around is not a necessity no you don't um this is also another talk about chiropractic again so dd palmer who's the originator of chiropractic would would talk about there's universal forces Mm -hmm. uh forces uh, universal forces, and then there's innate intelligence. Yep. Okay, innate intelligence is exactly what you think it is. It's you and whatever tools you have on your person, right, and within you to face universal forces. And universal forces are universal stressors, Yep. right? And stressors, as you and I know, are inevitable. There's There's no way that you can get around the sun. There's no way that you can get around work. There's no way that you can get around eating. Like that's a stress, right? Uh, Working out, exercise, that's a stress. The only thing that's not really a stress on your body is sleep. It shouldn't be at least. Yeah. Thinking about sleep might be (laughs) the issue, right? Or recovering from sleep. But sleep is like the one time your body doesn't really have to put a lot of that type of physical effort into whatever daily activities you need to respond to stress. But – Emotionally, mentally, we have this response to stress that's the same as the physical stress. Yeah. Okay? And, you know, if if you go into a cellular part of it, you have uh, – he probably talked about the, endo, the endometrium reticulum. Uh, and then there's the Golgi apparatus. Like you have all these like – I'm sure it's going there. It, I'm still like second chapter. Yeah. He's laying the foundation. And if I mispronounce that first one with the ER, I, I can <laughs> forgive me, but it's biochemistry, right? So you're looking at the biology of your cells. And when they take engulf, when they take something in, they kick something out, right? That's the endocrine system. Yeah. That's that's essentially your pancreas, your liver. That's your fat cells. That's your brain, that's your muscles, right? Whenever you take in things, you have to process them. Right. That's that's just life. Correct. Right. That's that. But that's cellular life. Right. You literally everything you ingest in your body, whether you eat, you breathe, you and snort it, or you stick it up your butt, like yeah. whatever it is, it is going in you and you have to process it. And then you're either going to store it or you're going to use it for something. And what's fascinating about it is our creator has just basically established that we have these systems like maybe hundreds of millions of systems in our body that kick out proteins and hormones and biomarkers in response to all your stressors and you don't even have to think about it or or all you have to do is think about it if you think about <laughs> it if you, if you think about it we're just now discovering this well because that's that i think that's where well i know it, it the the title implies that it's going towards then saying that thoughts are an environment i think i think a lot of that book is is just trying to prove i don't know this yet because again i'm only in the second chapter but the idea would be that trying to prove that thoughts are part of the environment and whenever most people think about the environment they think about like well even like this room yeah or or like my community but thoughts are also part of the environment right and so you have to look at uh like dopamine, for example, as as a key component of this. So uh, in the amygdala, in the amygdala, which is a, a part of the brain that stores, uh, well, actually that, that basically produces fear, um, it it will be a response of a chemical re- release on top of that fear in connection to whatever episode or event is occurring or occurred in your life. Okay, yep. um, fear for some people is pleasure. You know, adrenaline rush, you know, fear for others is is very much a very sad and and twisted response to it. It could be all kinds of things. and It's not good for some people. Right. But what happens with that fear is that same thought that's associated with uh, the fear response in the amygdala now has the hippocampus and uh, you have the ability to store things like that memory in your brain. And what happens is in order for fear and the memory to be associated with something like dopamine, all you have to do is trigger a stressful response in the body that will mimic something similar to that reproduction of one of those three things. The fear, the memory of whatever happened, or the spike of dopamine. Because what happens is all three of those are connected on a loop. 
they're connected on a circuit. And so whenever you spike those, depending on whatever happens within that part of your life, you will choose to do that again because it will give you pleasure. If it's dopamine kicks, it's pleasure. And that's why chemically you could say, well, why are you addicted to things that hurt you? Why, you, yeah. why, do, you, why do you do these things? It's like, well, I don't know any better because there's literally implanted in my brain and I have this feedback system and this response that I don't know. This is how much I respond. It's like self sabotage, right? Because it's like, well, I'm I, I'm going back to a state of comfort. Bingo. But then what it comes down to is, y- you imagine that pleasure is different for everyone. Yeah. Right. And that gets to a, a whole another level of what addiction really means for people, right? Because if I'm addicted to health, my dopamine response is very different than something that gives me fear. Right, like a fear and dopamine gives uh, also adrenaline rush, right? Yep. And it's an epinephrine. Now, epinephrine only should be released so many times in the body from the adrenal glands, and and you, well, I guess it it doesn't come directly; it eventually comes, but uh, you you create dopamine that turns into adrenaline, and what happens is that you cause this from fear. Now, the body will think fear, working out six days a week, uh, eating a bunch of uh, sugar, having a bunch of promiscuous sex, and doing a bunch of drugs. The body just says, this is all the same response because it's giving you dopamine. Yeah. Right? And so when dopamine gets higher, you know, if you have it associated with fear, then your feedback loop goes to a fearful kind of response. Maybe you call it trauma. Yeah. Right? Like you hold on to trauma. Right. So it's like, why do you self-sabotage yourself? It's like, well, I don't know any better. It's just that all I know is this feedback loop in my head that tells me that like, yeah, I get some pleasure out of the dopamine hit uh, from from sex at first. But what happens after a while is um, it's my reward. Yeah. And there's a cat and you never get. Well, I mean, it's the same the same uh, argument that we have just on addiction in general is that you never get to that same point of pleasure. Well, you're chasing the high, right? Because the initial spike of dopamine, whatever it may be, think about it, the first time you're scared, okay, truly scared, your heart is racing, your breathing is, is fast, you know, you're not, you might not pee on yourself, but it's not until you relax afterwards that you will probably pee on yourself, right? Like, it's it's really interesting. Your body will just respond to stress without you thinking about it. So, like, take breathing, for example. Yep. Okay? Breathing is involuntarily done, and it's voluntarily done. Yep. So, you have people who think they control their breathing because they do. But then in those times between their meditations and their, you know, Wim Hof breath work, they're just breathing. You start running. You breathe to play catch-up to whatever you need to do to exert stress energy yeah okay and what's interesting about the lungs is that they're really associated with the the ph balance of your body which is completely different when than what most people think about when it comes to lungs right like i mean i i couldn't imagine like if you talk to someone's health right like you say like okay what are your lungs for like and they're like what's for breathing i'm like right but like what are you breathing air okay what is air it's like it's oxygen Correct. Now we're talking, right? So when you take in oxygen, that's very alkalinic, okay? Yep. And what happens is you have a counter response because remember chemistry and an ace and 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 a and a acidic and a, and a balance of an alkalinic is is what you breathe out carbon dioxide because the carbon dioxide that you're going to produce from the oxygen you take in is going to be very acidic, and the whole reason you breathe out is to breathe out acid, mm-hmm. okay, to low, to basically raise your pH. Yeah, regulate. To regulate uh, acid levels in your body because your body shouldn't be acidic. I mean, all we are is regulators. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Regulators. So when you have a <laughs> cellular response with the membrane, okay, um, it takes in those stressors. How does it work to where you then create the responders to it, right? The proteins and the hormones and the neurotransmitters. Well, you have uh, pH regulators like the lungs and the kidneys, which are connected. You have things like uh, electrolytes, okay? So that's why everyone loves you know, sodium and magnesium and potassium, things like that, and calcium. But those are all very regulated in those processes because those are like the bouncers outside the cell membranes. Yep. 
okay, to get into the club, right? Like in order to get in the club, you need, you know, the password, you need the enough money to get in. Well, that's, that's the thing. Like those, the calcium is like the person who basically has like all the tickets for everyone to get in. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's essentially what happens. So if you have too much of the calcium, the, uh, the, the guy has too many tickets. Right, and there's, there's and there's not enough spots. The party so sucks. The party sucks. You know? <laughs> so it's like you got to regulate it, right? This is essentially what happens with contractions of the t- of tissues. Think about muscles. A calcium goes into a muscle, it contracts, it gets excited. So calcium is very excitable. It, besides the looking at the uh, acidity and alkalinity of of a of a oxygen or carbon dioxide or a compound, you also see there's an electrical charge to them. Right, because you 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 understand there's things called uh, or you remember things called uh, electrons. Yeah. Back in the day with uh, atoms and protons and neutrons and electrons, what would happen is you're just we all are just a bunch of atoms. Yeah. Okay, that are just balls and bu- uh, bundles and clusters, and what happens is a chemical reaction is I go to you, I give you a connection of electricity, and then I create an electrical shock that causes you to have a reaction. Right. Think about static electricity. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a perfect example that we have electricity inside of us and we use it to cause reactions. Yep. All right. And that's based off of stress. So imagine a cell, a beautiful brain cell, okay, has these bouncers on the outside and the cell like security wall on the outside of the cell called a cell membrane. Okay. And it has doors all around it to get in but each one of these doors has a different bouncer yep okay it could be a calcium receptor it could be an insulin receptor right okay it could be a dopamine receptor mm-hmm. okay it could be a leptin receptor like now you're saying like wow there's receptors for all yes there are there's bouncers there's thousands if not millions of receptors all, all, all just for those chemical reactions and then there's electricity connectors on top of that, because on the outer layer of the cell membrane, there's electricity running through it. Yeah. Okay. And that's called your electron transport chain. chain. Yep. Okay. And Lipton may or may not have talked about this, but this is where cellular health is going. It's going to mitochondrial health. Yeah. Okay. And, and, that, and you and I have been talking about this for like two years now. Yeah. And, and then it's is, like catching up. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's beautiful because if you think about this, we, we've already talked about all stress in your eyes is essentially going to be viewed as a stress in the body's work eyes right like you have a stress here it will be a cellular response and and you will have an an issue where you will cause a reaction regardless of whether you think about it or not right you just breathe right we talked about that well when you take in electricity or calcium or you know carnitine fatty acids something like that and if uh if you have those intakes you imagine that you're going to kick out different responses in the body because of that one of the great things that people don't know about the cells is that they are a powerhouse of energy. They are a powerhouse of energy to the point where they create all the energy for you that you have throughout the day and you don't even think about it. And what we know in science is that inside that cell, your beautiful brain cell or your eye cell, your heart cell, your liver cell, each one of these cells contains something called a mitochondria. Mm -hmm. Now, this is another almost like cell within a cell. That's how you have to look at it, right? It's this yeah. other huge operating system. You could call it the operating system. Like if it feels like the iOS or something, like this is it, okay? Because what happens is this not only makes energy for us, it's the powerhouse of, of our cells, but each time that that brain cell or the heart cell is healthy, that mitochondria inside that cell is healthy as well, which means it's able as a whole, the brain cell as a whole, with the healthy mitochondria inside the brain cell, that whole cell is able to function to its full potential. Yeah, and, and it, replicate itself health in a healthy way. Well, hold on a second. That we, we have to step back because that is the possibility. We've just found that out too recently. But the mitochondria itself is just there to function since you were born. Mm-hmm. Bacteria is mitochondria. Right. If you imagine how we were born, we came from bacteria that turned involved in the mitochondria that ate itself yeah. and ate itself and ate itself, and somehow this mitochondria turned into a brain cell that turned into maybe a nervous system that turned into a well, human. Well, well, part of what he explains on there, which I actually really enjoyed, the well, I want to say it's analogy, but at the same time, he he just presented it like that's how it is. But he explains us humans or just any any type of living being, even including plants, as like each like we are 
a community of, of sales, right? The idea is that there was one cell and at some point that one cell learned that, well, it's easier to survive if there's five of us. So let's create a little community. And that was like, let's say a leaf or like that was bacteria. And then at some, or whatever, right? And then at some point it's like, well, we can be really efficient if like three trillion of us get together. And like those guys over there take care of like the brain part, like those guys. Take, so that way we don't have to do all the jobs let's let's delegate like that group of 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 cells over there you guys are going to take care of the breathing of the lungs part like you guys are going to take care of the heart and together we're just going to survive longer and then we can replicate three thousand cells at a time as opposed to like one at a time now lipton makes a good point here and i think this has been we discussed this and we even saw this um in a research video water has memory yep Okay, now let's just talk about that for a second. When we say water has memory, what we saw was a, an Italian a scientist, and I, he's, he's very famous. I know I can't think of his name off the top of my I think he was the guy that was uh, in the Nobel Prize winning for uh, HIV and all this other stuff. But uh, he, they took a, a vaccine, and they had the, I think it was an mRNA vaccine, uh, and they had a, like water from with containing the mrna in this in a test tube right mm -hmm. okay and so what they did was they had all the stuff at the, i guess floating or sinking to the bottom or however mrna is in water and what they did was they just took some of the water out of that test tube and put it in another test tube and they were able to pull from that other test tube they were able to pull mrna out of that water droplet yeah i remembered it remembered it, it mirrored it, and what and this is fascinating because this is breakthrough. Imagine if water has memory. Now go back to the mitochondria. The mitochondria in our cells makes water. Mm -hmm. That's two droplets. Two droplets. Every time a mitochondria cell membrane, because mitochondria has cell membranes. Remember they they're a cell. Mm -hmm. Every time that gets what it needs from nutrient standpoints, it then kicks out energy for us, but then it also kicks out two droplets of water. So the idea you've heard that we're like 70, 80% water, it's true because our cells make our own water for us yep. without you even having to do anything about it. Now, that's fascinating. And if your mind's not blown, think about this. If all of our cells each one of our beautiful brain cells and liver cells, each one of our cells throughout the body has mitochondria in it, then all disease is essentially a stress response that will kill your mitochondria and cause something called oxidative stress in the body, which is a chemical reaction that causes mitochondrial dysfunction. dysfunction. And if you are genetically predisposed uh, Disposed, predisposed to having heart issues, having uh, liver issues, having neurological issues, then you're higher risk for developing those diseases. All it takes is the environment to pull the trigger and accelerate the whole process to the point where Alzheimer's is this 40, 50 year disease of the brain that essentially kills all the mitochondria in the brain cells as slow as possible because that's what it's doing. Yeah. Now, imagine if you can slowly kill them, could you not slowly reverse it? Yeah, correct. Well, because at the, cause it's like, well, in a computer virus, that's what's going on. Like there's being like mixed signals that are being uh, computed or that are being transmitted. And then, and then, but it's almost like it thinks it's a good signal, but because there's a, 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 a mix up in the actual, let's say the wording or in the, or in the dialect, let's say that that's probably a better uh, analogy there. Then, well, it continues to replicate because it's like, well, great, this is a good thing, but, but physically it's creating something different or like the output or the fact that like now you can't like, like your mouse doesn't work anymore or whatever because even though it's replicating what it thinks it's a good thing it's not it's a bad thing and it's really interesting because he goes into darwinian and, and lamarckian uh, 
I, I guess, theories, mm-hmm. right? And so Darwin is like the father of of um, evolution. But yeah, but he's also the father of like the survivor of the fittest, mm-hmm. right? And so Lamarckian was before Darwin, and the, he was kind of like considered a blasphemous and like just crazy because he didn't see it as survival of the fittest. He saw it as survival of like of the environment because of the environmental stressors like however we can do things together to really mitigate the stress that the environment uh, uh, imposes on us then the better we are the better we can adapt to 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 survive right so it's not about like me being fitter because or else i'm only looking out for me if i'm surviving of the fittest or even with individual cells it's like well fuck you like i'm gonna like i'm gonna protect myself but then your chances of surviving after that are not very good. So it's really more about, because ad- adaptations, it's really more as responses to the environment as opposed to, th- this is the theory there, the adaptations are are, survi- are are adaptations for survival of the environment as opposed to the, the adaptations that were fitter are the ones that won. Yeah, I get that. I, I get that. It's the if you want to simplify it, it's adapt or die, okay. And so if well, well, it was it's it's the opposite, right? It's almost like correct, yeah, yeah. You're adapting to that as opposed to like oh, there's like ten different adaptations, and the best one's gonna survive. No, well, there isn't. Like the, that's not the case. The case it's more of like the environment helps you adapt to to whatever it is that we need. I get that, but really, what you imagine as a whole, it look at it from a bigger picture. The Earth as a whole is adapting yeah. to its surroundings. So if you take the bigger telescope out in the sky, you're looking down at the Earth. It is a ball, right? That it's like there's uh, gravitational forces that are just keeping us from just floating away, yep. right? I mean that's essentially what we're looking at: magnetism, you call it ionization, force fields, whatever it is. The freaking ozone is allowing us to have air. I mean, think about it. you have sky, which is space. Yeah. Then you have our sky, and then you have like clouds. Yeah. Like I mean, it's just like my goodness. And then everything is water, right? And then you have this little bit of land, okay, which has moved throughout uh, ages, and had at one point dinosaurs living on it they were roaming the earth for almost 500 to 600 million years we are nothing on the bigger time frame of what the earth has adapted to right and you just think about the idea that you take it one step further from lamarck and and you know darwin you say okay what if i what if i was able to sync with it and understand that my environment is there for me to adapt to. Yeah. Well, it's something it's it's a playground, right? I get to play with it and figure out what how I like to have fun or how I not, don't like to have fun and Correct. and adapt to whatever lifestyle I want to adapt to, because which is which is very powerful as opposed to being the opposite like well, I don't want to go over there because you know, I have bad genes. So, that's consciousness? Mhm. That's awareness. That's a form of health because think about the involuntary, voluntary response of stress. Consciousness is very voluntary. Yes. Okay. It takes practice to to which is voluntary again. Right. But you know, like breath, right? Like speak to breath, right? Yesterday I was hanging out with Allison and, and her roommate, and two funny things happened there. Uh, Anubi's boyfriend came in, and he's uh, he's a comic as well, and and he's like he comes in, he's like. Dude, every time I come over here, like, all you guys do is work. You know, he was just surprised that people were hanging out working. He's like, I've never been to anyone's house where people are just working. Like, we're drinking, we're like, doing whatever. Yeah. And, like, everyone was working. So that was kind of, like, funny that he made that comment. But the second thing that happened is that his Anupi's sister, I think she's medical or something like that, because someone said something about me being chill, and I was like, yeah, I just... I'm just always like very conscious of my breath and and if I start to breathe too fast then I slow it down and that's how I regulate that's how I can stay chill. And she made a comment about that's a really weird thing to be conscious about. And I said, "Why?" She's like, "Well, because and like in medical, you wouldn't want to be checking in on a breath all the time because then you're just going to stress yourself out." And I'm like, "No, I'm not stressed because I'm checking in on my breath." 
all the time. And if I'm breathing too fast, then I think, well, what am I reacting to? I don't need to breathe this fast. I don't need to be scared. I don't need to fear. I don't need to all that because whatever that is, I don't, I don't need that present. Like I don't need that stressor in that way in my life. And then I can slow down my breath. And then all of a sudden, however I was feeling, I am no longer feeling that way. I am choosing to feel relief. Yes, but that's very advanced. Sure. But it was funny because the comment, though, was it's just a very weird thing to be aware of. I I get that because you can obviously tell that she doesn't think about it that way. And what's fascinating is that if she is medical and she has been through all this higher education to be taught that this is how the body responds to what is known as stress, then what has been taught to her is stress is a negative thing. Correct. Now, in health, stress is not a negative thing. It can be negative, but your response can be, not what stress is. Stress is constant. Yeah, stress is it's, it's just what it is. You can't it is. It's 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 whatever you give it purpose because Well, I can like I'm very happy right now, but I can easily say I am so stressed out and be like in a in a positive way. Sure. Right? I, because because I am. <laughs> well, you're talking right now. You're aware, you're you're talking to me, you're stressing your intellect capability to be able to stay engaged and alert and be on point, right? That Imagine when we get done with this, if we were to go sit down, you would have a, a kind of a decrease of energy just for a minute, right? Yeah. Because like what happened is your adrenaline, your endorphins, all that would go down. An example is, uh, remember when we used to do the TV commercials or whatever yeah. back in the day, or it was whatever the TV show was, um, the first time we went ABC, out there. ABC, right? Or it was, like yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, something like that. But when we would go on, uh, the first time I went on, uh, the guy we went on with, he leaned over to me. He's like, now look, don't be nervous because there's, be, there's going to be cameras there you know, filming us. I was like, I'm not nervous about the cameras, honestly. He goes, okay, well, there's not an audience or anything behind. In fact, they're just cameras there filming us. It's just as much you imagine for the TV network and all that. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. cool. (laughs) Whatever. He goes, well, do you need to take something for, you know, if you're going to be nervous? I said, no. On many levels, no. You know, but what would he have given me is a, a beta blocker. Okay, now a beta blocker is a medication that is given to lower blood pressure, okay, in times of stress. Yeah. Now, what's fascinating, going back to the whole medical thing, blood pressure. Blood pressure is elevated in times of stress, okay? We talked about the the respiratory rate. We talked about breathing. I would want to know my breath when I am most relaxed because it should be very low. It should not be high. Because when your blood pressure is high, when you are very relaxed, you are stressed and not even thinking about it, and it's causing an increase of blood pressure. Okay? Yep. Regard- and you might be like, well, why just we're sitting there on the couch? I'm like, yeah, you're probably sitting on the couch, eating crap, drinking crap, watching crap, thinking about crap, surrounded by crap. Yeah. And your heart and your brain can't take it for 20, 30 years in a row. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's the 1990s all the way to 2022 right now. And for some people, the pandemic just accelerated that. Yep. Okay. And what's fascinating is sitting at a computer or watching your phone or watching TV is very stressful on your nervous system and your body as a whole. You don't think about it, but when people literally don't think about it, your heart and your breathing is increased. Okay, when you're supposed to be relaxed, which is not a good thing. So to go back to blood pressure. This cardiologist once said that blood is circulating all the time, right? Yep. Blood in your body is on a constant like circuit. It's always moving. It's always flowing, right? It, blood is taking nutrients to your entire body. And oxygen. Right? It's oxygen, which is a nutrient. Mm-hmm. Uh, B12, it's taking blood cells, it's taking serotonin, it's taking all kinds of things like fat, you know. How? How is it just circulating throughout the body? What's causing it to circulate? A pump. A pump known as your heart. heart. Okay. But the heart's just a pump. And I hate to just say it that way, but it is. It's just a pump on a circuit that's just circulating 
on, on a constant feed loop. Like, you don't have to think about it. You just need blood to your toes. It's just going there right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and then the the less I guess stress you are, the 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 less it has to pump. Is that? Yes, correct. So the more stress you're in, I guess, or I should stop saying it that way. The more the more reactive you are to stress, as yep. opposed to responding, because responding is handling your stress better, I think, and reacting is not handling your stress well. If you're reacting to stress you will increase the blood circulation and production of blood. Yeah. Well, even the fact that like if I'm nervous and I'm like that, well, that yeah. that already is causing my blood to go a little bit faster. Well, you're, you're moving your muscles in your hands. Yeah. So you're causing more blood and energy to be shunted over to your muscles to be engaged more, right? Where calcium is going in there to contract the muscles. You're telling your brain to lift your fingers up and move them very quickly. And then it gets on a pattern and a circuit. And you don't even have to think about it. And you're on a loop now. It's like where people can and just so drop. now my heart has to pump a little bit Yeah, faster. what's the thing about it? You can train yourself to, you know, imagine uh, a, a drummer can train themselves to play for an hour straight on the same beat. And it's just like, how do you just not miss that beat? They're like, I'm just on a loop now. And you're like, wow, that's what their body can do. Yeah. We'll go back to the blood pressure. How does blood pressure increase? Not blood flow, because blood flow and blood pressure is different. Mm-hmm. If you have clean pipes where the blood's flowing through the body, you don't have high blood flow uh, pr- pressure. pressure. You just have high blood flow, which means you have good circulation. Mm-hmm. But if you have obstruction of that blood flow, call it stroke. Uh, risk with plaque, call it ar- arterial uh, deterioration, you could call um, just bad pipes, <laughs> then you have a harder time getting that blood through, which means the pressure through those those pipes is increased, right? Because what's happening is your body has to squeeze harder to push the blood through something that's obstructing it, right? Yep. It's squeezing the pipes to get the blood through. So your blood pressure goes up. Well, anything that stresses the body will contract the arteries to squeeze the blood. Negative thoughts will squeeze arteries and cause blood pressure to go up. And sugar, alcohol, right? Running, exercising will, right? We know this. Being awake will do this, right? Because now you're getting blood to circulate. Mm -hmm. You're using more blood than when you were asleep. But here's what's incredible. Guess what really causes blood to circulate? The sun. Mm-hmm. The sun activates a gel within our blood to circulate the second we get up in the morning and look at the sunlight. And what's fascinating about that is when you talk about someone who is not getting into the sun, someone who is sun deficient, low in vitamin D as they will say, because mm-hmm. sunlight makes vitamin D in your body, then your body is not getting solar energy that it needs to do things like circulate your blood, make vitamin D. Oh, and sunlight, by the way, makes serotonin and norepinephrine. So you don't have to get it from adrenaline or dopamine. The sunlight just does that in the morning. But when people don't get sunlight, imagine it's as simple as if people don't get enough sun, they'll have high blood pressure. Because well, your, work, your heart has to provide all the energy. Bingo. Yeah. And then we treat blood pressure... Like it's a stressful response because like, oh, your blood pressure is high because you're stressed. Well, but it's like in your house. If you have solar panels, you'll use that battery less. I mean, you'll use the electricity less because you have the solar panels that are feeding That's the battery. That's a perfect example. That's a perfect example. So, when so it's going to be less taxing on your wallet in that case. Yeah. So let's talk about sleep real quick. So sleep is a big topic with people. Imagine it's as simple as when you tell your kids, when you go to sleep, it's your chance to recharge your batteries, right? That's a, that's what we are, right? So it's your chance to recharge your body as a whole. Sleep is the only time you get a chance to detox your brain because you make a really special hormone called melatonin, which is an antioxidant at the same time. And melatonin only is really released in deep sleep and it detoxes not only your brain, but your entire body. It's like the ultimate antioxidant. And that's why people take it and they get to sleep and they fall asleep when they take it as a supplement and all that because it's only associated with sleep. Well, when you're recharging your batteries during sleep and you're getting good sleep, you should wake up the next day and feel what? Feel refreshed. Yeah, ready to go. Ready to go. Hit the day. Ready to think clearly, 
you're focused, you have energy, you could probably do a workout. You could probably hit the door running, right? Mm-hmm. That's how people think every day is supposed to be for them. And I'm here to tell you it can be. Yeah. But, but drinking coffee when you first wake up in the morning is not the way to get there. But what happens is people wake up from a horrible night's rest, yep. not feeling refreshed and focused and ready to take on the day. They drink coffee because it has caffeine in it that gives them a sharp edge that allows them to get that energy that they're looking for. The problem is it's not sustainable because caffeine is a drug and it's a stimulant and it's great at first. But look at me. I drank it for, what, two months straight? And I'm like, I can't do this anymore again. I'm done with it again. Like, it's too much for me. Yeah. Because I don't need it. Mm-hmm. I don't need coffee energy. I don't need to drink caffeine. Because when I wake up in the morning, I'm already focused. I'm ready to go. I haven't had my drink yet. Like, my, my boost drink that has natural green tea caffeine in it. I don't even need it. You know why? Because if I get good rest... I feel incredible the next day. My brain is detoxed. My batteries are recharged. My hormones are reset. The first thing I do in the morning when I get up is also go to the bathroom, which means I'm having a detox dump. Mm -hmm. Literally. Okay? And if you're not doing all that, you're doing it all wrong. And I hate to be, you know, the tough love, but and tell you tough love, but really that's the morning routine that you should be after because here's what happens. Let's take the opposite effect. The person that does not have energy does not have energy throughout the day. When was the last time you had a crash in the afternoon? Um, a couple of weeks ago, but it was a singular day. Like it was as a whole. Yeah. Does it happen it's, to you? No, it doesn't. Okay. Has that been months in the making? It's years? been years. Years. Yeah. Years. Like two years, three years, four years. Maybe maybe five. Five years now, <laughs> where you do not have an afternoon crash, and maybe once in a while. You have it, and you probably know exactly what did it. Yeah, and I'm usually, like, it. Ha- well, let's say if it would have happened today or, like, th- this morning, I'm going to bed at 7. Like, I'm not, you know, there's plenty of times that, like, you, that, uh, that that's exactly the case. If I do have one of those, like, bad nights, it's like, I'm, it's not worth the risk of getting sick. Like, I know I'm more, now I'm more susceptible to getting sick. Now I'm more susceptible to whatever. There it is. So I'd rather just go to bed. There you go. And it all revolves around sleep. So if you're looking at health as a whole, sleep is your most important thing that you're going to focus on it, because it's what you do a third of your day, right? At least you're supposed to, a fourth of your day maybe, right? And when you're doing it, it's supposed to be your charge. You have five, six, seven hours to recharge your batteries. And out of that time frame, what you really need to optimize and get good, healthy function the next day is out of those five to seven hours of sleep, you need about two hours of deep sleep. Yeah. Because that's when you can clean out all the stuff that you have left over from 20 years ago that you couldn't clean up and when you were drinking and going to bed in your 20s or eating like crap and then going to bed in your 30s. Like, you know, you still need to clean up that crap those McDonald's, those late night Taco Bell and all that stuff in there because it's very hard to get rid of that stuff initially. And you store it in your brain, your liver, and your fat cells. And the only time you get a chance to get rid of that is when you sleep. And if you didn't get a good night's rest after the night of drinking, that drinking is still in your body. Okay, that's still in your liver, it's still in your fat cells, it's still in your brain. And it goes with just the late night eating as well, the sugar. Mm -hmm. And if you have poor digestive issues then you have a whole other problem on your hand. But think about just how sleep ties into everything. So I wear a, a BioStrap. It's a wearable device. Shout out to BioStrap. I really am a fan. And uh, I wear it at night. And the reason I wear it is because you can put on airplane mode, which is uh, something really big for me. And it tracks my sleep. It tracks my heart rate while I'm sleeping. It tracks my breathing while I'm sleeping. It tracks my pulse ox while I'm breathing, which how important that is that now, mm-hmm. okay? And then um, it also checks my heart rate variability, which is my HRV. Yes, it'll check my activity and my calories and my steps and all that. I'm not interested in that. I know I move around plenty, Yeah. okay? But if I can look 
at my analytics, my biometrics, what's telling me how I function in a time of involuntarily involuntary state where I am supposed to be in la-la land dreaming, what's going on as far as my body repairing itself and recharging the batteries? How does it do it? Well, it slows everything down. Okay, in order for you to shun energy to where you need it the most, which is cleaning out your brain. That's why you don't feel focused the next day when you don't get good sleep because you never clean out the brain, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get up thinking like, how am I going to get through this day? Well, I know I'm lacking focus. It's just going to be that I'm deficient in coffee. So you start drinking coffee right away and you don't stop and it comes in the form of other things, right? And then what happens is you eat throughout the day as well which is a chemical response. Eating is chemically responsible. Like it's stressful on the body. You have to digest it. You have to absorb mm-hmm. it. You have to make energy out of it. You, and if you don't do it well, then it's inflammatory because you hold on to whatever you didn't detox or get rid of. And then but, you're eating again before right. you're even done so, with that process. Right. So you, you people voluntarily do all that stuff, but the stuff I'm measuring at night is involuntary. So I'm like, okay, imagine throughout the whole day I'm having to breathe. I'm having to beat my heart. Like literally, my heart is circulating blood for me, right? It's carrying things for me. When I'm sleeping, everything should be calm and the number should be lowered. My heart rate should be in the 40s. Okay? My heart rate at night when I sleep is like 40 to 45 beats per minute yep which is a healthy range to be in yours i bet baldo is probably like 38 34 sometimes 32 is 32 yeah which is on the lowest that you could probably imagine you're on the low range and people will say that is too low that's incredible he's even awake that's not that you're not breathing it's just that you can regulate your breath so well with your nervous system connection to yourself and your awareness that you use it voluntarily to your advantage. Correct. Well, because because I regulate it throughout the day, then at night it's even lower. Bingo. Yeah. And then here's why. So heart rate is beats per minute. Heart rate variability is the interval or time in between each beat. So on my BioStrap, I wake up in the morning. I check my resting heart rate, which is my beats per minute, around 40 to 45, and the time in between all those. Okay, and if it's accelerated, all right, I have a lower HRV, which means that I have been speeding up my heart rate. Okay, and then if I look at it with the heart, if I'm beating 60, 70 beats per minute in the middle of the night, my body and my heart and my blood is still circulating to places in the body that, is it going to the brain? I don't know. Yeah. Is it going to other places in the body? Maybe my liver that's trying to detox all the sugar and the alcohol and the food that was in the body just two hours ago, <laughs> right? That's what happens. Yep. And that's why people's sleep gets disrupted. And I and we know this, but when you said, I have to look at it from my health perspective and look at it as, am I going to get sick from this? People aren't looking at it that way. Here's what happens with people. People don't know how to slow down and sit still. Okay, we talk about health. It's the most fascinating thing to have this conversation with grown adults. Imagine if you just tell an adult, and this adult could be 26 years old. Yeah. Can you sit still with your eyes closed and not look at your phone for 10 or 20 minutes? Can you imagine what the response would be? Yeah, it's it's definitely it's a no. What it's if a someone, no. Someone, what if someone wants to get a hold of me? <laughs> it's a definitely no. And it's not that someone wants to get a hold of me. That's not the case at all. It's that you want to look at something on that phone. Yeah, well, because it creates a little dopamine rush. Right? It's a dopamine rush. It's a connection. It's a feedback loop. You are addicted to your phone, right? Which most of us are because we're so reliant on it now because it's ingrained in us. Emails, text messages, yeah. communications. There's no way around it unless you choose to focus on yourself, mm-hmm. okay? And that's really what the problem is. People don't put the focus on themselves enough and and it's not selfish, okay? For years, the American dream, and this is now just being more biased than anything else, but the typical way of living was you work your butt off in order to achieve your dreams and your goals and whatever you desire and you will sacrifice everything you need in the process to get there. 
All right, whether that's your health, whether that's your marriage, whether that's your family, whether that's loved ones, I don't know. People are willing to do that and wear it as a badge of honor and say, I put in 12, 14 hour days and I'll do it, you know, for the next couple of years because I love my life and I love traveling. And I love, you know, going from here and doing this and working from a laptop and being remote. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that's fine. You're living out of a suitcase, you sleep in a different bed every night. You know, you have time change, time zone changes and all that. The first thing I think about is like your sleep sucks. It has to. And you're like, yeah, I know. I just, when I get home, I'll be able to sleep better. <laughs> I'm like, really? So what happens is that person travels, they come home, and what's the first thing that happens to them? They're sick. Yep. I mean, you've seen it, right? I mean, people come in and they'll come and see us. They'll get a vitamin IV because they need a recharge. And I'm like, what's incredible is you have to take these nutrients before that way you actually are running on full batteries. Yeah, I'm about to travel and I'm about to get an IV today and on Monday. <laughs> yeah, before you drain yourself from the travels. And then and then I say, because here's the thing. You know you're not going to get good sleep, right? Because you're like, well, I, I, how do I fix that? And I'm like, I, you're right. If yeah. you're traveling that much, that is that stressful. Well, the thing is I do get good sleep, but it's because I do the, the beforehand stuff. Well, that's the difference. Yeah. So people need a – protocol or a plan a regimen a routine it's almost like be proactive about it right like we keep talking about health assurance and and how we want to create insurance or assurance is what we want to call it but but the idea is to be proactive so that way you don't because why would i want to get sick and then try to fix it it's going to be so much harder to fix something than to just prevent it well we don't put the focus on it until it's too late and that has been pretty much apparent for the past two three years at least yeah. right but i mean because I'm, I'm i'm big on travel right like you know this and and a lot of people know this about me but i also do a lot of to prepare before travel like i come and get ivs i load up in supplements like i'm handing people supplements like here take that well anytime i'm somewhere they're like oh i'm like whatever it's like oh don't worry about it here you go well take that well here's the thing we traveled together last month yeah. right we went on a best friend's trip and we went to uh, New York City, which I had never been to New York City. And uh, we went to Washington, D.C. in five days, right? And New York basically four and Washington one. But we did everything we could, as much as we could, and fit as many activities within those five days as possible. I was exhausted. When we I got packed back. it. <laughs> we packed it, right? When we were on the trip, you and I both had our own separate set of vitamins, right? Like we brought like our drinks, like our, the Boost and the Bliss, right? Uh, you know, and then we also had our own individual supplements. Like you're like, okay, I got my my packet here, and I had my own, so we didn't miss a beat, right? Like we didn't we ate the same that we would have eaten here, you know? Like I think we got really good sleep because we didn't we re we only really stayed out late one time, yeah, you know, and that we paid the price for it, right? And and the rest of it was like we we really got up early and we did our morning routine i think you were journaling at one point right like we even meditated uh in the park like several times in washington and it and central park right yeah. we got back and what's interesting is i got an iv before and i got an iv as soon as i got back i mean we rode the subway we were in the LaGuardia, like you know we didn't get sick yeah not even not even close not even close on around nine million people yeah Times Square twice. Like we drove through it. We were hanging around. Like, and you say like, why? You guys are really healthy. I say yes, but guess what? I'm proud of that statement. I am more proud of that statement that I work so hard on my health that I wear that with a badge of honor that I can say, yeah, I could travel clear across the country, go do everything and then some, and come back, not miss a beat, and go back to work, and then say, how did you do that? You needed a vacation. You got back. It's like, yeah, we took a day off, I think, or something, right? And then we were able to relax that day. And really, all I did was just relax. I didn't work. I didn't go answer emails. You know, I hung out in my garden in the back. Yeah. I really did. It was absolutely outstanding. So you really imagine that taking care of those things that you and I, you know, really pride ourselves on, cold plunges, saunas, IVs, good sleep, good poops, good supplements, good hugs, good people, you know, all those things are are essentially what's going to define you as a person because it's it's your function. This guy yesterday, one of our good friends said, I figured it out the other day. If uh I don't have good health, I can't do anything in life. Yeah. And I, I said, Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
we're fortunate enough to where health is our jobs, which is the great thing is you get to tell people these things. I mean, think about this whole conversation here is information that people could have could use for their entire life. And it's something that's is constant, right? Like we talked about. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it's like the state of health this episode, but all we the best tools are still like the oldest ones that have been available to us since the beginning of time. Sure. Which is breathing, right? Sleeping and sun. Now, I'm glad we were going to end on the sun. So uh, I had this conversation with, with uh, someone yesterday about their blood pressure. And uh, uh, amongst other things, heart and brain health, right? And you talk, imagine anything as you will. And uh, this person had labs. And so we were able to look at these lab. And we were, uh, we were able to look at all their labs. And it's great because we order... We ordered our labs, not yeah. what the other doctors do, what we order. And if you don't know this by now, uh, I'm a family nurse practitioner and a chiropractor, and I've done labs m- for my whole profession, uh, professional career. It's mm-hmm. been, what, like f- 14, 13 years, something like that, where uh, I've been able to look at labs and analyze them. And we have very expansive labs, and her labs were great because it was uh, – it was very in-depth, and when we were talking about it, I was asking and saying, like, okay, well, how often are you outside? How often are you doing these things? I look at the lab, and one of the labs that was important was vitamin D. Yeah. It was very low, and it had <clears throat> been low. And what's interesting is that you can tell that it's low in a person. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you think you can't. But it was like, yeah, just look at them. And it's like, all right, are you in the sun a lot? No, you're not. You're D deficient. Because guess what? Most people are. Like, just most people are. And so I said, and I told the story about the blood pressure and the sun. And the sun is probably the most powerful tool outside of sleep for your health. Yep. Right? Because like I said, you can make water. Yes, you need to consume water. Yeah, water is a constant. It's what Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You need like water you need food you need shelter and warmth right yeah it's like light darkness and water yeah but you need sun as much as you need sleep right because you need the darkness and the light the sun is there for you to be charged up the sun makes vitamin d for you it makes serotonin for you it makes norepinephrine which gives you lots of good focus and energy okay the sun charges your cells because it gives you solar energy it actually makes your mitochondria work better okay it actually charges your mitochondria and, you know, we'll get back into mitochondria in a second because that's an important topic too. But it charges your cells and it gives you clean energy. So imagine in the morning instead of waking up and going straight to the coffee, go outside. Yep. Go outside, take a deep breath in, feel the grass in between your toes if you're able to. If not, you're on the porch or the balcony, look at the sun, find where it is, and smile. Even if it's before you realize the world's going to come crashing yeah. down on your life and you're in the same situation or whatnot, you could smile and be thankful that the sun is there for you. And you're able to look up at the sun and first thing in the morning because then all the good stuff starts happening. Your mitochondria gets charged in a way to where you can regenerate yourself. And I'll leave you with this. The future of health is mitochondrial regeneration. Mm-hmm. And you can basically rejuvenate yourself if you give your body a chance to do it you have to look at the sun you have to well don't look at too long obviously with you know but you have to get out in the sun you have to get good sleep you have to fast you have to do a calorie restricted diet and fast you know uh to clean out your system and not necessarily all the time but but periodically periodically right at least periodically. and then you have to get the right nutrients into your mitochondria Mm-hmm. And so what's great about that is, you know, one of the things, that's why we have, you know, like mitochondriac, right? Resveratrol. Yep. Resveratrol is like one of the best things you could ever take. And of course we do NAD IVs. Yep. Okay. We're talking about do a bunch of it Yeah, today. I'm going to do a bunch of NAD today too as yeah. well. So, And then surround yourself around, you know, we talk about this in business all the time. Like, hey, surround yourself again around like other millionaires or, or, or other very successful people so you can learn from them, right? Like it's the same thing. It's like surround yourself against around other healthy people so that you not it's not that they're gonna teach you anything that you don't know. 
I mean, maybe, they maybe, maybe they will, but, but mostly you're going to see like, Oh, I can do that too. Like, you mean like just have to go outside everyone. It's no longer weird, right? Like it's also difficult to make changes to your environment when everyone in your environment is like, no, like we're on our phones all the time. Like we do this all the time. We, you know, we hang out, we drink all the time. We, you know, whatever. And it's like, it's hard to make that change to change your environment if you don't change your environment as well and that's the biggest thing change your environment change your world yeah it does and it all starts with the idea of this that you want to make that change whether you believe it or not it's true because whether you can and you can't is true yep and if you believe you can and you're around other people who have done it ask them is it just as simple as just believing that it can possibly happen and you're like not possibly happen that it will that it will and it is awesome love it thank you guys so much that was the state of health <laughs>